This podcast is brought to you by Living Waters Church, Kyabram. You can visit us at www.lwkyabram.com. This year, we've been spending our time talking about grow, and we're about to move into the topic of sow. That's our theme for the first part of this year is grow and sow. So we've spent a lot of time talking about the fact that we need to be mature believers in the kingdom of God. And we've spent some time looking about what maturity looks like and um, those sorts of things. But one of the things I'm very conscious of is that a mature plant actually produces the seed for the next season. So out of the maturity of the plant actually grows. I mean, when you put that seed in the ground and when it first starts to grow and when the shoots first come up, it doesn't have the potential to reproduce itself in that moment. We've got to wait until the plant becomes mature before we actually receive the seed for the next generation. And so just as in the natural, so it can be like that in the kingdom of God as well because as mature believers, any mature believers afraid of the word mature because we equate mature with old we are ch- we equate mature with like the cheese you know mature cheese it stinks Parcel Lynette went to the um, market over in Violet Town the other week and she brought some cheese and oh man does it stink you don't need much cheese in your sandwich to get the cheese effect it's like it's 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 yeah <laughs> it's one of those cheeses where it's like because see maturity isn't about age Maturity isn't about time frame. I've met some believers that have been um, believers for a number of years and yet they're still caught up with the childish things of the kingdom. You know, the, in, in the Bible, in the New Testament, it talks about, come on church, by now we should be able to be teaching you the meat of the word, not the milk of the word, and yet we've got to be continually going over the foundational stuff in the word. And so maturity's really got nothing to do with our age. In actual fact, I've met some young people that are very old. You know, it's like they, they've set out in life and it's like they want to be old before they're old just because of the attitude and the way they live life. And yet I've met some older people that it's like, man, I just want to hang around you because you're gray, your teeth might have fallen out, you've got lots of wrinkles, but I want to tell you this, there's a vitality about you. Don't get offended if I talked about your teeth then. Because a few people have been like this. <laughs> get them back up in there. One of the stories about I love about my dad preaching, he was preaching here at Living Waters and he spat his teeth out. Great story. I wasn't here that day, but I heard it. I was living away, but people rang me that day. This is what your dad did today. <laughs> oh, for earlier days of video. So when we're mature, part of our responsibility, if we are mature believers, is we have to to sow. We have to sow. I I don't know whether you've ever brought a packet of seeds and looked at it and it's got an expiry date on the seed, where it's like you need to plant this by a certain time, or what may happen is that seed will actually lose the vitality in within the seed and it can't be planted, or if it's planted, it's hit and miss, whether it grows or not. Can I encourage you that what God is placing in your life for this season is not just for you to hold on to and store in a barn, but what he's giving you for this season is to sow into others for the next season to come. Let's go to John chapter 7, verse 38. Started with this verse last night, and it is our verse, is it not? Those that were here last night, do we have copyright on this verse? Thank you. John chapter 7, verse 38 says this, Anyone who believes, and again, any believers in the house? 
<laughs> if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, this is you we're talking about this morning. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. Open invitation for you to come into his presence and receive not only refreshing but to receive what you need for the season to come. For as the scriptures declare, and if the scriptures declare it, it's got to be true, rivers of living waters will flow from his heart. So when you're a believer, you need to understand that there is a river wanting to escape your life. There is a river that's wanting to get out and affect the family you've been had the honour of being placed into, into the community, in, into your school, into your workplace, into your place of, places of influence. There's a river inside of you, if you're a born-again believer, that is just willing to escape. See, what happens is, if we put a damn wall up in a river and we don't allow that damn wall to have an outlet, eventually the flow will back up and it will find a way around that damn wall and it will escape. I was saying last night at Saturday Night Live that um, on Tuesday they're starting to drain Lake Mulwala. And what they're going to do is they're going to pull the gates out slowly. They can't do it all of a sudden because if they pulled the gates out altogether, we would be flooded where we live. The Murray's banks would overflow and would actually reach your backyard. And so they have to do it in a gradual stage. But what they're going to do is they're going to start to unplug the damn wall so that they can do some maintenance in the lake and to the wall and see what happens is if we're not careful in life, we think that what God has provided in our life is just for us. It's not just for you. You are called to be an avenue of a river, not a dam. You are called to allow the flow of the Holy Spirit out of your life to take those very principles that God places in your life. You know, when you're reading the Word tomorrow, don't just go and read the Word with the view of what can I get out of it. Read the Word with, what, with this view in mind. What can I sow into other people's lives? Because out of your heart, there needs to be a flow. If there's not a flow, guess what? The water stinks after a while. When there's no outlet... The Dead Sea is a prime example of this. There's an inlet, but there's no outlet. And so because there's been so much fresh water, because see, the Jordan River is a fresh river. It's not a salt river. But because there's been so much water placed into that, um, the Dead Sea flowing from the Jordan and there's no outlet, what has happened is the salt has built up to such an extent that nothing can live there. That's why it's called the Dead Sea. It's not called the Living Sea. It's not called the sea with great fish. You won't find in the Bible where Jesus, you know, called the disciples from the banks of the Dead Sea when they were fishing. They might have been finding salt, but they weren't finding fish. Why? Because the lack of an outflow actually causes death. The lack of an outflow actually causes stagnation. And so we need to understand that anyone who believes, as the Scripture declares, rivers of living waters will flow. Rivers of living water will flow from his heart. So I guess my question for us this morning or part of my challenge to you is what's the flow that's coming out of our life? You know, what's the flow that's coming out of our life? What is it that we're passing on, not only to the next generation, but what are we instilling into those around us so that their life will be fresh, so their life will be sweet? So if you're taking notes this morning, number one, it's not about what you don't have, but it's about what you have. We focus so much in our society of what we don't have. 
got an election coming up. Feels like tomorrow. It's not far away. Our federal election is happening. And all the conversation is about what we don't have. You think about the campaigning that's happened. You've got one side saying, well, we've done this, this and this. And then you've got the other side saying, well, we don't have this and we don't have that and we don't have this and we don't have that. That's a song in there somewhere. It's a very short song, Pastor Chloe. It's a very depressing song. Can you imagine coming to church? We're going to sing the don't have song this morning. We don't have this and we don't have that. What a way to live because it's not about what you don't have in life. It's actually about what you do have. Oh, let's think about John chapter 7, 38 for a minute. You have a river, not a trickle, not a little sp- You know that moment when you've had plumbing work done at your house and there's all air in the pipes and you turn your tap back on and nothing happens? It's like the plumber's messed up. And then all of a sudden it goes... We don't have the... We have a river flowing. Come on, church, we have a river placed inside of us. See, it's not about what we don't have. You can look around and in your Christianity, you can say, oh, but I don't have this gift, but I don't have that gift. Well, what gift do you have? What is it that you're able to use? What is it that's been placed in your hand that you have the privilege and the honour that God has trusted you with? What is it that God has trusted you with that you are able to use to bring the kingdom of God to the world around us? Let's go to Acts chapter 3, very well-known scripture, talking about Peter and John going to the temple. It's chapter 3 and verses 1 through to 10. It says, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a lame man from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the, the beautiful gate, so he could beg from those going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter and John looked at him intently and Peter said, look at us. The, may, the, the lame man looked at them eagerly expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but, what, uh, but I'll give you what I have. You can't give what you don't have. See, at this point in Peter's life, he was broke. He had no money. He was living off the skin of his teeth. And there's this moment where he's coming to the temple and this lame man, you need to understand, this lame man had been placed there every day. Peter and John had walked past him, past him multiple times leading up to this story in days gone by. But this day there was something different. This day Peter had something that he didn't have before. This day Peter came filled with the Holy Spirit with a river of living waters flowing out of him and so he looked at the man and he says, hey, give me your attention. And the guy goes, beauty. The guy goes, great, I get to eat today. I get to receive something that will help my natural cause. And then Peter says to the lame man, well, actually I don't have any money. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the man's heart? Well, why are you asking me? to look at you if you can't provide what I need. And Peter says these words, I don't have any silver or gold, but what I have, I'm about to give to you. Then Peter took, verse 7, then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. As he did, 
the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood to on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, praising God, went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the, at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astonished. What you don't have, you are unable to give. But can I challenge you, what you have, you're able to give. So I guess my question is, well, what is it that we do have to give? What have you been given in your life that you are able to sow? Now, in the Bible, there are some many things that are described as seeds. And seeds are meant to be sown. Seeds are meant to be placed in the ground. Seeds are meant to be let go of. Any gardener who doesn't let go of the seed doesn't produce a crop. And so we need to understand that we are given some seeds in life that we should be passing on to those around us. So the first seed is this. So this is really point two, because point one was you can't give what you don't have. Point two is this, is the kingdom of God is described as a seed. So kingdom of God is a seed. The thing I love about seeds is they start small. Can you imagine if our farmers had to sow full plants? Think of our orchardists. Imagine if they had to go out and plant whole great big trees, fruit-bearing trees. You know, can, can you imagine how that would slow them down? But when you just plant a seed, it's easy. In actual fact, you can carry bulk seed and it's not much of a weight. Some seeds are bigger than other seeds. Acorn, acorn seeds, oak trees have a seed called an acorn, and it's quite a big seed. They hurt when you mow them. Cedar trees. Anyone ever had a cedar tree in their backyard? When I grew up as a kid, we had a cedar tree in our backyard. Those little cedar pips, the seeds, they hurt. Our lawnmower did not have a catcher on it. It had an ankle breaker on it. I would sometimes mow our back lawn with the seed, when the cedar tree had been dropping its seeds, and I'd come home with bruises. My parents were such cruel parents. Isn't that right, mother? <laughs> Interesting, oh, it was difficult. <laughs> right, I'm going to preach to this side of the room. <laughs> Interesting thing happened after I left home. Dad chopped out the cedar tree. Still remember the day I came home, the cedar tree was gone. It's like, oh, it does hurt, doesn't it? <laughs> so from something little, something great can come. Let's go to Matthew chapter 13. See, we are so worried in life that we don't have enough. You don't need a much, you just need a seed. You don't need much. You just need a seed because the seed carries the potential for life. On the internet, there's some time-lapse videos of seeds growing. They're amazing. If you have access to the internet, go home and watch some seed-growing time-lapse videos on YouTube. It is amazing. I'll stick this little seed in and water it, and all of a sudden it starts to grow, and from this little speck, something great grows. Matthew chapter 13, verse 31 says, here is another illustration Jesus used. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest garden, the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree and the birds come and make nests in its branches. So here you have this principle that the kingdom of heaven is just like a little mustard seed. Not very big, but when it's planted... When it's established, then growth comes. And not only does growth come, but it's able to house those things that come to it. I am so glad 
that many years ago, I became one of those little birds that flew into a mustard tree called the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God, and provision was made for me there. Let's go to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4 and verse 30. Jesus said, how can I describe the kingdom of God? What story should I use to illustrate it? It is like a mustard seed planted in the ground. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of all garden plants. It grows long branches and the birds come and make nests in its shade. Let's go to Luke chapter 13 because we'll read it again. In three of the four Gospels, Jesus describes or it's recorded as Jesus describing the kingdom of God like a tiny seed. Luke 13 verses 18 through to 19. Then Jesus said, what is the kingdom of God like? How can I illustrate it? It is like a tiny mustard seed that a man plants in, planted in a garden. It grows and becomes a tree and, and the birds makes nests in its branches. See, one of the seeds we have and one of the things that we need to be sowing and we need to be illustrating and we need to be describing and we need to be living to our fullest so that the next generation, so that those behind us, so that those around us can see that God is real is this thing called the kingdom of God. See, when you understand that you've been transplanted, and we looked at it last night, how that we've been transplanted from one kingdom into another, we understand the powerful nature of the kingdom. I see it in people's lives where the moment they encounter God and the moment they surrender to him and they allow him to be Lord and Savior of their life, they are different. There is something different about them. Their priorities change. Their life changes. And then all of a sudden they're able to grow and mature in the kingdom of God and able to be in that place where they can take something eternal and bring it to a temporal society. So the third point and the second seed we're going to look at this morning is this thing called faith. Struggle that we don't have enough faith some days. The questions that I get asked a lot of times in life is why is it that one person gets healed but another person don't, doesn't? I get asked these sorts of questions. You know, why is it that we've been believing for this, but it hasn't happened yet? Is it a problem of faith? Is it to do with our lack of faith? We need to understand that sometimes it is not. Sometimes it is, but often it's not as well. You can't judge what we perceived as an unanswered prayer as a lack of someone's faith. Can I just say that to us? Someone who has been asking for a healing for years and never received it, it's not an indication that they don't have faith. It might actually be an indication that they're living the life of Job in that season. It actually takes more faith to live through that season and still declare that God is good and he's faithful than it is to just receive an instant healing. The Bible describes faith as a seed. Let's go to Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17. Things I understand... We live in a community with much faith. You know how I know we live in a community with much faith? Because there ain't no mountains around. People move to this area, they go, it's flat here. I said, that's because we're a people of faith and we've told them all to move. <laughs> Sinking in over this side of the room. Chapter 17 verse 14 says this, At the foot of the mountain a large crowd was waiting for them. 
a man came and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and suffers terribly. He often, he often falls in the fire or in the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. Jesus said, your faithless, uh, you faithless and corrupt people, how much, how, sorry, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Then Jesus rebuked the demon in the boy and it left. From that moment on, the boy was well. Praise God. Afterwards, the disciples asked Jesus privately, why couldn't we cast out the demon? You don't have enough faith, Jesus told them. I tell you the truth, if you have faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. Uh, nothing would be impossible. I look at this and it challenges my faith because Jesus isn't saying you need mountain-sized faith to move mustard seeds. He's actually saying that you need mustard seed faith to move mountains. Now, when I look at it, I go, I, I, I look at it and go, a mustard seed, we've just seen how the kingdom of God is described as a mustard seed, but in that narration that Jesus does, he also says that it's one of the smallest seeds. So if I look at that and I put the two together, I come to the conclusion it doesn't take much faith to do amazing things. And can I let you in on the secret why that is? Because it's not your faith that moves the mountain, it's God that moves the mountain. <laughs> it's not your level of goodness that moves the mountain, it's the goodness of your God that moves the mountain. It's not the size of your ministry or it's not the size of your heritage that moves mountains. It's the size of our God that moves mountains. So he's encouraging us with this. When we awaken to the fact that he just needs a little faith from us to do amazing things, then all of a sudden we can walk in a new power and we can walk in a new dimension. So what was the issues with the disciples, with this boy? I mean, Jesus said what it was. They didn't have enough faith. They didn't have enough connection. They didn't have enough authority. And see, this boy's sickness was actually caused by a demon. It wasn't a physical sickness. It was actually a demonic spirit that would seize the boy, throw him into fits and throw him into fires and throw him into the water and tries to kill, uh, trying to kill this little boy. And so Jesus says this, he says, no, you only need little faith. And this is what I love about this story because so often in the Western world, um, as believers, we're scared of demons. We're scared of the occult. We're scared of the darkness. But Jesus says, no, it's just little faith. You only need mustard seed faith to cast out demons. You only need little faith to be able to do it but you have to acknowledge that you have the faith and you need to be willing to step out and use it. Over the years in my life, have I worked out whether I have faith in different areas? Just by having a crack, just by having a go, just by praying, just by believing. And there's been times where I've gone home and go, God, I don't really understood what happened there because I thought I had enough faith for that situation, but nothing changed. And then I've had other times where I've gone home and gone, wow, that really happened. I remember a time where the last trip we went to Sri Lanka. You know those moments where you're just in the moment and you don't understand what's happening around you? And 
the language barrier is a little bit awkward too in some countries and so we're, we're, we're out in the back blocks of nowhere in this house doing these meetings and, you know, it, it was loud. Oh, man, it, it was loud. We're in this land room and they got drums. And I'm tired because we've travelled and I'm sitting there and I'm going, you know what, I don't know whether I want to... I want to get that drum and put it through the drum. Like, and, and so I'm sitting there and, and anyway, we... we I preach and, and we pray and that sort of stuff. And then this person comes to me after and they go, there's a man out here. That's right, there's many men out there. And they said, he was crippled, but now he walks. I said, that's fantastic. That's great. Good on you. And then it wasn't until 12 months later that I was thinking about that story. And I realized that they carried that man on a mat to that meeting, sat him at the door, and by the end of the meeting, the man was walking and was completely well. And, and I look at that and I go, what happened? No one even prayed for him. No one laid hands on him. It was just the presence of God in that atmosphere that healed him. Now, whose faith healed that man? It wasn't mine. I did the arrogant Western thing. and It's like, well, that's good that that bloke came to church. Good that that happened. I don't tell you what healed that man, the faith of the people that brought him to the gate. The faith of the people that carried him on a mat to the, to the entrance of a door and couldn't get in. They didn't do the biblical thing and dug a hole in the roof. They just sat him there and the presence of Jesus did a work. Just small faith. And maybe these guys just said, let's just get our friend to this meeting. Let's just get our friend to the meeting. Just a small act of service turned into a mighty miracle. And I sort of kicked myself that I didn't go and talk to the man. I didn't understand what was happening in that moment because I would have loved to have heard the whole story. I would have loved to have been able to talk to him and say, Jesus loves you. I'm sure he knows that. So what do we do in those moments when our faith lacks? What do we do in that moment? So if you're taking notes, what are we up to? Four? Three? Four? Excellent. Point number four, I believe but help me with my unbelief. I believe, but help me with my unbelief. Can, can I let you in on a secret? I believe that Jesus Christ is the answer for all situations. Now, that's not a secret, but there's times in life where it's like I'm placed into situations and my faith is challenged. There's times in life where I'm placed in situations and I, I have to summon the ability to find that mustard seed of faith. I know it's here somewhere. I, I, I know I've put it somewhere. I, I, I know it's there, but I'm challenged by that situation. The disciples were like that as well. Believers in Jesus' time was like that as well. Let's go to Mark chapter 9. We're going to finish here this morning. Chapter 9 and verse 14. When they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding him and some teachers of, the, of religious law were arguing with them. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe and ran to greet him. What is all this arguing about? Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son. Hang on. Yep. It's verse 17. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son to you, uh, to you so, so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. Whenever the spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they could not. 
Jesus said to them, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy, but when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy. The spirit often froze him into the fire or into the water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us. Help us if you can. What do you mean, if I can? Jesus asked. Anything is possible for a person, for a person, if a person believes. Anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me to overcome my unbelief. So there's this moment where it's like the father acknowledges that, well, hang on, I do believe. That's why we're here. We're here before you, Jesus, because I know that you have the answer, but help me with my unbelief. I actually don't think that's a bad prayer to pray. In those moments where it's like, well, Jesus, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. Now, the end of this story is Jesus heals the boy. He responds to the man's faith. He responds to the man's little mustard seed of faith. His mustard seed was this, I've just got to get him to Jesus. i just got to get him to Jesus. i just got to get him to the answer. And in that moment, the boy received relief. Why? Because his father did have a mustard seed of faith. So I think in those moments when it's like, you know, well, God, I believe, but I'm struggling with this situation. I'm struggling with my unbelief. I think it's a good prayer for us to say, hey, God, I need help in this moment. Next week, I think, I can't remember whether I'm rostered on next week or not, looking at my wife to see whether she's, oh, no, I am rostered on next week. I do know that. But it's Mother's Day. Any mothers here? You need to come next week. Yeah, because we want to honour you. I won't say that we're giving away cars, all that sort of stuff. So the week after, the week after we'll be continuing this series about sowing and we're going to carry on this message because we're going to talk about the confidence that we can have in the seed we've been given because there's good seed placed in your life. It's not bad seed, it's good seed. So we'll look at that in a fortnight's time. So let's all stand up together. If you're not doing anything at four o'clock this afternoon, it'd be great if you would come over to Rushworth with us. We packed the house out last week. It's like we had five seats left in the house. So, um, so that's exciting. Yeah, good, good things happening over that side of the country as well. So that's four o'clock this afternoon over at 7 High Street. Um, we've got a couple of prayer meetings happening this week. Uh, got our um, Friday prayer meeting at 9.30 out here in the back room. We also have a four o'clock prayer meeting on a Saturday out here. And we also have a pre-service prayer meeting here um, Sunday as well at quarter to 10, which is held out that way. So it'll either be there or there if you've come to pray, which, whichever side that may be. Why don't you just put your hand on your heart just as we finish up this morning. Hey, Lord, we want to thank you that your kingdom is described as seed. And because it's described as seed, we understand that it's growing. It's reproducing. Not only is it reproducing, but your kingdom principle that you said to Adam and Eve right back at the origins of creation was that the species that they reproduce after their own kind. And we understand that is true in our life. When we're kingdom people, we reproduce kingdom people after its own kind. And so that's the value of having your seed in our life. And so, Lord, I pray you would challenge us this week to understand that there's a river of living waters that is escaping from our life. 
And we would understand that the more we, time we spend with you, the more time we spend in your word, Lord, the greater that flow comes. And so, Lord, I, I pray you would help us this week, Lord, to recognize the seed, to understand that it's not what we don't have, it's more about what we do have. And we would be willing to give that away in your wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Fantastic. Thank you for listening to today's podcast from Living Waters Church, Kyabram. Don't forget, you can find us at www.lwkyabram.com.